Hello and welcome to the Just a Tumor of Us podcast, the podcast about living with and without cancer and navigating everyday life from two very different perspectives. I'm Ed, a student journalist. I'm Linda, mother of five with a full-time job and stage four bowel cancer. So how has everything been? It's been two weeks now since we've done our last Good, one. Good, yeah. Sorry, Ed. Um, it's been a bit of a, a bit of a mental time. Uh, the last podcast we had... I think I was going to see my oncologist, wasn't I, after my scan, and you were like being all, ah, you're you're grand, you'd be grand, you're thinking, you're just thinking like that, whatever, and then I went and I had my scan, and and, um, the news wasn't what I wanted, and then we had booked to go away. The plan was, the month of July, month of June and July was, we'd take the kids away for a few days, and then I'd have radiation and then I'd have surgery and our summer would be a little bit impacted by all of that. So we went off to Courtown on the same time we were gonna go anyway. So we went, we had a great, like we had a great time. We went to Kiora Farm, definitely recommend it. Like we had a great time at Kiora Farm. We went we went to the local leisure centre. Like Courtown is Courtown, there's loads to do, but the kids aren't really into like amusements and the, the rides they weren't really into. Mason got on a teacup with Lola and the girl, they were the only ones on it and the girl was pushing it and Mason ended up like a rag doll bouncing around smacking his head like Carl had to jump on the thing while it was moving to to stop it like to like to help him he just bounced his head was just bouncing everywhere I got such a fright I think everybody all got such a fright the kids wouldn't go near the rides then that was the end of that but we had a great time we came home then on the Monday evening Tuesday and then booked two days for me and Carl to go away last weekend, Thursday to Saturday. And we went down to Glendalough, stay booked into the hotel. And it was just a really dingy, horrible, like there was no toilet roll, there was no bin, that which is fine. But when you're on your tour time asking for it and you've got bell cancer, you can't have a room with no fucking loo roll. Like it was just <laughs> ridiculous. There was bits of carpet cut out of the floor. When I asked for another pillow, I was told they only provide one. Like the pillow was like a piece of paper. Um, and then there was all sticky substance on Carl's bedside locker. But the, the charging ports on both sides of our lockers didn't work. So we mm. couldn't charge our phones. And we were just like, we were there for about two and a half hours and we checked out and came home. So that was the end of that. Um, and then the next morning I kind of felt, because I had no phone. My phone was dead, so I couldn't even check for anything else. And then the next morning I, I found like Galway, which wasn't that expensive, but Carl wasn't willing to drive down and drive back just for one night, like which I get. So we just didn't really do much. Oh, we went to Cosmos in Liffey Valley. That was our first time being there. Uh, that was lovely. Um, I was like a child, like. What's your favorite thing to get at a buffet? If you had to pick, if you could go to a buffet and you could only have one thing, you could, which is defeats the purpose of a, of a buffet. But like, if you could only have one item, what would you choose? Honestly, yeah, cake with cream. Oh, oh, you'd go dessert, would oh, you? Yeah, fuck the dinner. Get me to that dessert. I was never like that until I had treatment and gave up smoking, and now I just, I, yeah, I have the real sweet tooth. You're mad into the sugary. Like stuff. I don't even. I've never, like I've never. Carl, I'll tell you, in my whole life, I don't think I ever drank a bottle of coke. I used to drink diet coke, mm. not very rare, like. And since chemo this time around, I drink like some days I could do two cans of Coke in a day. Like that's not me. So I've got a really sweet tooth, uh, which I think is from the chemotherapy and it might settle down. 
um, but I love whipped cream. I would eat it with anything. Love yeah. it. Yeah. You know them meringues with all the fruit and then a load of whipped cream on top. It's not pavlova. Pav it's, it's a meringue or pavlova. You get it either. Oh no. It's the meringue that you put the fruit in and then the fresh cream. See, oh. I like cake now, but I can't, don't do whipped cream. Don't do oh, whipped really? cream at all. No, I don't really oh, like it. Like I'd sit and scoop the whole. Thing. Do you know? Maybe if it was fresh, but you see that shit that comes from a can. Yeah. Like that. Do you know what? I always I love going to Costa. I don't drink coffee, as you know. I drink tea, no sugar. But the only thing I ever get in Costa is a medium hot chocolate, extra hot, when I'm for a takeaway. And I, when I'm in work, I'd probably get one. If I, I walk three days now, I'd probably get two out of them three days. I'd have them on the way home. So I get medium hot chocolate, extra hot, and it's in a takeaway cup. And they say, "Do you want whipped cream and marshmallows?" And I say, "No," because I tried it once and it was vile. We see if I'm sitting in Costa, mm. and you get the glass. I have the marshmallows on the side. Just fill that up with loads of cream. And I'm telling you now, I devour, oh my God. Like that's probably my favorite treat is, is going in, sitting down and having the hot chocolate in the glass and all that whipped cream. Oh, it's lovely. Have you had hot chocolate from other coffee shops? When COVID hit and all the other coffee shops started opening back up like Starbucks, Costa didn't open up as quick. Mm. We were... And I try. He got me a Starbucks one time. It was vile. I could taste the powder. Yeah. And like that's disgusting. Yeah. So no, I wouldn't do the dirty on Costa. Now it's the only one. It's the only one that my Costa body use likes. powder as well, though, don't they? Yeah, but I didn't taste it in there as there's well. A, the... There's a coffee shop, and we probably shouldn't actually mention coffee shop names, but yeah. sure, the Butlers they use oh, real yeah. chocolate. They oh, what's use that like? Is melted it nice? real chocolate. It is delicious. It is so. I've good. never tried that. I've They're never really tried good. That. I don't know and whether they I don't. Do. Oh, they do put whipped cream on it actually, but they put chocolate sprinkles. They don't but put sure, marshmallows. Yeah, we're giving um, El Costa a good, good promotion here. They might yeah, sponsor but just us. say it's Starbucks, so <laughs> Costa might sponsor us. I'm gonna have to bleep all the same. <laughs> um, uh, so that's kind of how the week went, and then I so I had a week and a half off, and I returned to work on Tuesday this week. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like so I've had a busy, really busy three days. But I've enjoyed being in the office and away from home. I think I need to really separate them because mm. I can work from home, obviously. But I really enjoyed being away from home and getting really stuck in to the extent that I nearly was going to work late this evening or, or work tomorrow just because I had a few bits to do. Um, but I won't. I need to take that time. So that's kind of my update, I suppose, what's been happening. But like I will talk about the results from the, um, from the CT scan once. We've checked in and seen how you've been and how was your holiday and yeah uh yeah grand uh um so i was in paris uh i was in paris for four days i was in Cortown. um <laughs> but uh no like it was lovely it was paris is lovely it's a really nice city um but it's so big like we, we mm. it's just so hard to get around it's and it is expensive but to be fair it's not that more expensive than dublin like yeah. a little bit more expensive um like it's it's more expensive in Paris to drink alcohol in a pub or in a bar, yeah. But um, than it is here. But it is cheaper to buy alcohol in a supermarket in Paris than it is to buy it here because oh, we have right. that. Uh, we obviously have the minimum unit pricing now that's come in, oh, yeah, and that yeah. changed all the way alcohol's priced. But in Paris, they I don't know if they have that in Paris. Okay. But it's it's actually quite cheap in Paris to. We went buy to Paris alcohol. when Charlie and Keaton were young. Like she was six, and I was I'd never been on holidays as a kid, so like this was like. I felt like a six-year-old. It was amazing. 
but we rented a car in the airport and by god like we were nearly killed twice driving through paris once back to the airport and once we got in the bus lane we were nearly mangled like i'm not even like i actually came back and thought you know what we are so bloody lucky mm. like driving around that roundabout to get to the airport I, I've never seen Was the, it the roundabout With the Arc de Triomphe on it You know the roundabout Where everyone just goes That's the one With the Arc de Triomphe yeah, on it Because like, we went to see I've never seen my husband Look scared in all the years I've known him But I'm telling you now How he didn't pull his pants Because <laughs> the cars Were just coming at you Yeah Oh so dangerous There's no um, And it's weird How it works over there Because even we Struggle to get used to it As pedestrians So like the lights go green for the pedestrians and you'll be crossing but cars will still no, come no, because they're all like they're all like zebra crossings oh so so basically if there's no one on them the car will go through them green light or not and we're like what is the process here what yeah like, it's mental didn't understand that now i'd love to take the little ones to paris when we can afford it but i don't think carl would want to go again it is it's do you know what it is a lovely city no, and it would be disneyland i wouldn't be taking them like yeah. we did we did three days in disneyland and then a day touring all the other stuff Nostradamus and all am I right is that Nostradamus yeah. yeah all of that all of them places we did on the day and uh, like I wouldn't do that again but I'd definitely do Disneyland again yeah, or you see, we Disney or whatever it's and called and we didn't do it when we were over there and do you know what we had got there and Robbie was like well what do you want we were struggling what to do for the days and he was like well what do you want to do and I was like we could do Disneyland if you want and then when we went to try and get tickets we couldn't we couldn't get them they weren't really? available yeah they weren't available for that day so we decided to uh one of the days we were like we don't know what to do so i googled some stuff and we found there's a graveyard in paris and it's one of the most famous graveyards in the world so like the likes of oscar Wilde's buried there and um, jim morrison from the doors is buried there and oh. um, edith piaf i don't know if you know her no she sings the song you know no regrets you know the song it was on a pizza no, no, yeah, yeah that, that one yeah, she right. she sings that she's buried there Um, the graveyard is huge like it's about the size oh I'd say it's about the size of a football stadium. Like it's really? huge, yeah. Like you, we were walking around it for two and a half hours, um, really? yeah, just looking at graves. Like, and it, I would be quite interested in all that stuff. And I didn't think Robbie would be, but he actually was really interested in it. Um, and then we just kind of done, you know, like Eiffel Tower. We didn't go up the Eiffel Tower. We just went and saw it. Yeah, we did um, that as well. Yeah, eight euro we paid for two bottles of water, two cans of coke yeah. outside the Eiffel Tower. Um, it was a bit mad but no, we, as I said we went to Cosmos and Liffey Valley loved it first time ever there really impressed and it takes a lot to impress me impress me when it comes to food it really I know, does I'm still trying but you'll always be trying but two like so so it was 22.50 I think per person which is fine because you can eat whatever you want we had an hour and a half but the, I got like two cokes and that was like something like seven quid for two cokes and I just thought oh, it's just robbery like now you can refill it but I wouldn't do more than one pint of Coke. Like I wouldn't, yeah. or glass or whatever it was. It was glass. I wouldn't have done more than one because I was, I'd had my food and then I had a big dessert. And dessert and, and, and as a busy drink is too much for yeah. me. So I would have had water then. Um, and I just thought like, why isn't that included in the set price of twenty two fifty for an adult and, and eleven fifty for a child? Do you know what's funny? I think what they do I is was they, very impressed though. I think the reason they do the free refills is because you fill up on the refills so you're not eating as much food from the buffet. Yeah, and it's not real Coke either, I yeah, don't think. It's, no, I'm it's not, it's just syrup and sugar water. It's That's fucking, all it is. Yeah, like the machine so, mixes it. Yeah. Um, so look, that was my only complaint. the prices of those. And so then it was so it was 45 quid for the two of us and then I had to pay I think it was 53 altogether it cost me and I was like why aren't the drinks that's stupid put the drinks in we're fucking I'm never going to eat 22.50 water food mm. although I'm starting to look at it I'm like <laughs> lashing on the way um, 
But yeah, yeah, but and yeah, you kind of you're like, why isn't it included in the price? But then again, fifty three euros not bad for two people for food. Yeah. Like some restaurants you'd go to, you'd spend double that. Yeah, and I think Carl had. I didn't have. Did I have seconds? I think I had after I had because oh, I found this like sweet and sour chicken. It was just lovely. I would totally recommend it. So I had like, a bit of salt shredded chili chicken and a bit of sweet and sour chicken, and a few other bits. But the, the noodles I, I didn't really like. But the sweet and sour chicken was fab. And then I had pizza. So I'd done me curry and then I had pizza. And then I had um I did a chocolate fountain with marshmallows. I was like a kid. I'd full co- I love full cocktail. Yeah, I like oh, cocktail. like it was just Aladdin's cave for me. Oh, really impressed. Like I'm bleeding starving now. I know. Um Well I just but, had a big curry. But yeah, like yeah, saying that Paris was grand, um on the very last day, so so hard to find things, like didn't know what we were Googling for. Um on the very last day we found a soup a shopping centre we found a big shopping centre on the very last day about two hours before we had to go to the airport and we were looking for somewhere to eat and Robbie was like where will we eat and I was like well I'm not doing McDonald's again because we had yeah. McDonald's already yeah. we went into McDonald's one day and we spent 30 euro the two of us in McDonald's it's so expensive yeah. over there six chicken nuggets right They're, here it's two euro fifty over there it's nearly six euro for Stop. for six chicken nuggets I, I swear like to god um, now so now, did you just do hosteling again or did you no, have a hotel? So the hot- it was a hotel but it wasn't because basically we had our room and our room was private. So yeah. it was just me and Robbie in the room but there was no toilet. There was only a sink in our room. There was no yeah. toilet or shower. So the showers and toilets were communal but they weren't communal because they were separate rooms yeah. with doors on them and you could lock the doors and it was just you in that cubicle. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of like a hostel but it wasn't. Yeah, I um, and it, like it, to be fair, it wasn't expensive. It was one hundred and fifty euro for three nights, like, which was grand. For two years, which yeah, is and good, it was a private yeah. room. Um, but we went to this pub, um, on the last day just before to get in the bus to the airport. And let me tell you, I ordered a Caesar salad, a chicken Caesar salad, and I loved chicken Caesar salads. Um, and Robbie got, I think Robbie got a ham and cheese toasty because he's mad fussy and he just like that's me child. ham and cheese yeah. toasty, a bit onion and tomato, thanks. And he didn't even like it. He All like right. he ate half of it and he was like, I'm not, I'm not really into it. And I was like, All right, but the chicken Caesar salad was one of the best I've ever had. It was really? now it was eighteen euro, but it oh. was yeah for a chicken Caesar, but it was incredible. The chicken wow. was hot, it was crispy, there was enough dressing on it. Oh. oh, it was it was just amazing. Like it was so good, one of the best salads I ever had. And I was like, Do you know what? I don't even care that it's eighteen euro. Like, I so don't much. care when like food is nice. I'm fussy as you know, but we've been to Courtown twice as you know, and there's a chipper on the corner in Courtown just beside, uh, next door to the pub, and they do the best fish goujons. I'm not even lying. You know when you're just eating something and you're like, I don't ever want this to end. Yeah, <laughs> you know oh, that? And I love. Do you know what? I recently, like I'd say in the past two years, I've gotten really big into fish. Like yeah. I love. Oh my god, I just love fish, fish. goujons. Are- one of my favourite things fish cakes oh, I love Ugh, fish cakes yeah. I think they yeah. are gorgeous now no. they have to be they have to be a proper fish cake like I got ones before in Dunn's and here we go uh, saying again and they just weren't nice like I can't even remember yeah. what brand they were they weren't nice but some of them you get like cod ones or I have a massive issue with my weight at the minute and like I as you know I've always been really skinny like yourself our family are just slim or just yeah, slim shadies like and um like I've had to bring jeans back and change them to a size 12 and the size 12s are barely, see all the weights are kind of, not all of it, a good bit of it's around my tummy and I think that's to do with the bowel cancer, right? So it's my, it's, I've got two new pairs now that are a size 12 out of different shops and I won't get long out of them mm. if I keep continuously putting on weight. Um, 
and it's a big like I'm really self-conscious really body conscious can't really wear I'm living in jeans and runners and jumpers because I can't find what's com- what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not I feel a bit bulky now to be wearing a dress it just all sounds ridiculous but again it's down to the, the, the cancer and giving up smoking um, and all of that but every time I go into a shop like so I need to actually just try save some money and go and buy some new dresses and stuff because nothing I own I'm actually yeah. thinking of setting up one of them B- Depop sites is it Depop and you sell all your clothes oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Depop. actually thinking of setting up one of them the amount of dresses with like tags on for like weddings and stuff that's in my wardrobe I'm just going to try sell it all make some money from it and go and buy some bigger size yeah because if you're clothes. selling your clothes getting money from it and then just buying new clothes yeah, with it, yeah. that's actually grand like yeah and like some days I feel like having a cigarette just to get skinny again isn't that terrible <laughs> isn't that terrible like, I'm just getting butter, like, so big why don't like, you just do a bit of exercise I do it, I do but it's not like you know what exercise do you do walking yeah that's enough I uh, know you need to be doing a few like uh, riding. <laughs> sit ups or push ups or something fuck off I'm not there yet like, um, um, my skin's like leather as well from the chemotherapy and I'm hoping that um, that kind of subsides a bit when the when you know, any moisturiser for that or anything? it's not e- I, or I don't, oil or something your skin is just leathery it feels like leather I just think you're it's on your head uh, it's not because I mentioned it in work and one of the girls her mum had passed away about two years ago and she was like, that's the chemotherapy that does that, makes your skin all leathery. Oh, well, you you yeah, feel like you have like snake skin. Does oh, that make sense? Oh, right, like kind of, yeah, I get what you mean, like um, uh, like waxy kind of, yeah, like a like, dead person. I don't know what a dead person feels like, but like... You know, mice, like that waxy kind yeah, of, like, mice, like when they've been embalmed that's what and it feels it's like, like waxy. Yeah. Mine feels really weird, my legs especially. Surely, so chemotherapy is like toxic chemicals going into you and that's yeah. the same like embalming that's the same process yeah. as embalming except, embalmed. except they don't take your blood out for the chemotherapy but they no, do they when they embalm and I still have me big mouth <laughs> what sort of bleeding quick what sort of tangent do we go down on this so look I suppose we, we, we better address the elephant in the room anyway which is what happened when I went for my CT scan and um, I had my C- Jesus when did I have my CT scan two, two weeks ago, two weeks ago no three weeks ago and you would have had your results two weeks yeah. ago so I had me scan on the whatever day, the Thursday, and then the following Wednesday I went in to meet the oncologist. But I went by myself. Like the second time I've gone somewhere by myself and got bad news. Remember I was saying about the colonoscopy? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think there's a bit of an omen around that. So anyway, I went in and um, it was this Wednesday clinic, so it's an outpatient clinic. It's different to the oncology ward. Mm. And I went in and, and and I sat down and I think he when he came out and called me, he was looking because I'm all, I'm never on my own. Like if I'm if I'm seeing him for our results there's always someone with me but I just went by myself and um I sat down and he said look um your liver looks no I can't remember the conversation word for word obviously but I had six tumors on my liver as we know I had a, a liver resection they took out five tumors and burnt out one right and the one they burnt out I got sepsis on hadn't seen my liver since obviously I don't see my liver I mean they hadn't scanned it they did in February but there was too much trauma to it from the liver resection to say what I looked like. So anyway, he said to me, my liver is perfectly clear and the tumor on my bowel hasn't grown or hasn't shrunken. There's no change. Like it's perfectly the way it is, like staying the same way. So he said, um, and the liver's grant, like the liver, like those tumor, all of those tumors are gone. There's no new growths. There's no new signs of cancer in my, um, in my, um, <laughs> in my 
liver sorry um and then he said look we have newly found two lesions one on each no on your lung and he said i think we should have a break from chemo i think we should have a break and put you on some chemo medication for two months so go on a chemo tablet for two months but then he changed his mind and said I think we should just take a two-month break. He said, I'm not saying these lesions are cancer, but they are new. They weren't there before. Mm. They've just arrived. It could be the way you moved in the scan machine, or it could be that their tumours and they're growing. He said, they're so small. One's one... No, he didn't say this, actually. He said, they're so small, I, I couldn't biopsy them, or I couldn't get a PET scan on them, because we wouldn't find anything. Mm. And at this stage, I was balling Eddie no I mean like really emotional and he was and he, could, he said look I'm sorry and I was like my whole summer is pl- like I'm going away this weekend with the kids because my summer's been planned around you know radiation and, and a surgery and now it's not happening I said and after all the trauma I went through for that liver resection I said you know how bad that was for me and what I went through and now we're sitting here now and you're telling me that oh we found two lesions on your lungs and he said, I couldn't put your body through a major surgery on your bowel if you had tumours on your lungs. I just couldn't do that. And I was like, but we don't know if that's what it is. And he was like, we can't do the surgery. We can't do the radiation. And I looked at him and I was like, my, I was crying like two tears. My whole summer was planned around that. And he looked at me and he's like, all I can say is I'm sorry. Like, yeah. um, And he said, he said, look, I'm not saying they're cancer, but I'm not a fucking idiot, Eddie, like, um, and they're new and they're only, they're only, they've only came. And, um, I said to him, what happens? I said, I gave up smoking in January. Like I haven't smoked in six months. And when I was done my first six rounds of chemo, I smoked all the way through it. Never, nothing ever came up on my lungs. And now I've given up smoking and six months later, we're sitting here and you're telling me there's lesions. And he said, Linda, this has nothing to do with smoking. Yeah. Like it isn't like and i was like so upset like i really was and i said to him um, what happens if i come back in two months time so he sent me off on my way for two months to let the lesions grow so we can actually um biopsy them or pet scan them or find figure out what it is and i said to him and I have a lot of respect for this man. Like, I do. I really, really do. I respect him. And I said to him that day, because I don't give a bollocks. My, my, I will ask questions as much as I can. You know what I'm like. I said, I'm not like other people upstairs who, would, who say to me, if he tells me to stand on my head, I'll stand on my head. Oh, that's not me. I need to know where we are going forward. I'm not going to just stand on my head because you tell me to. And I think he was kind of looking at me going, you cheeky bitch. But it's true. People have said that to me. Like, lots of people. Um, and he, I said, what happens if in two months' time we do a biopsy or we do a scan and it's cancer in my lungs? He was like, then we can't go ahead with it. No, then he said, it'll be just chemo. And I said, chemo forever. And he said, yeah. So I was, I couldn't talk about it. Like, I'm still getting emotional now. I can't deal with it. I couldn't talk about it for the whole week. We, we did a podcast that day. Oh, like the yeah, next yeah, day. And, and I couldn't, I didn't even want to, I said to you, we won't talk about it on this yeah, week. Yeah. Because I was so not there. Like, I couldn't even tip the surface of it. Um, and like, I suppose what that means for me is if he's saying to me, you know, if you do have tumours on your lungs, we're not going to operate on your bowel. 
then my 15 to 20 year chance has gone back down to five years. Mm. And that's the reality, like, and that's the scary thing that I don't want to deal with. So I do find myself getting quite upset at times. Like I was talking to my team leader today and then I just start crying and I'm like, I'm fine. I just get emotional because we worked so hard to get to where we are and we put so much work into the liver resection and I got sepsis and I got fucking blood clot and I got COVID and I was nearly at a breakdown and I went through like um, delirium. Like straight after my surgery, I had this whole episode of delirium that I've never told you about because I'm so embarrassed about it yeah. in the hospital where I thought a nurse was trying to murder me. But in the, delir- in, in the and like nothing was, it was never, no, it was never spoke to me about after like and I know what happened I know that I had this situation and it was never discussed I don't even know if it's on my file hence why I want to go through FOI and get my file to see did they know it but they don't even acknowledge it after you come out of it so I 100% believe that this nurse was trying to kill me and I was screaming there were two days before post-surgery in high dependency screaming from the top of my lungs doctors came from everywhere and I was hysterically screaming, like you should have said, it was just, and like, I don't talk about it because I'm, number one, I'm embarrassed. And number two, because I still feel like parts of it were real. But when I spoke to the psychiatrist in St. James's and told her about it, she said, that's called delirium. Mm. It's when you've had too much medication that you're psychotic, but you don't even know it. Like, yeah. So in my head, still to this day, sometimes I find myself thinking, was that really happening? Like, was she really trying to kill me or was I delirious? Mm. But because you're never brought back and have, no one ever has that conversation with you, yeah. I don't know. But I know the other things happened, how I was treated by other nurses after that wasn't very nice. There's a whole thing around it that I'm not going to get into because I could get myself into trouble. But I definitely... Well, well, I suppose what I'm trying to say is they're all the things I went through to get to where I am from a next step to be this and this and now it's taken from me. Right, so I have a question for you, okay? So do you think that had you not done the liver resection, had you not gone through all this, do you think the outcome would have been any different? Or do you think it could have been worse in reality? I think I'd, I think wholeheartedly, Yeah. honestly, I think I'd be fine. I think I would have still had six tumours on my liver my bowel sort tumour would still be there and I'd still be smoking and I wouldn't have these on my lungs. But how do you know that? Because I just... Because you just don't. No, I know I don't. But because that you would, don't. No. And it's easy for you to connect this to this and this to this. Yeah, I said to him actually, oh, you, we had two months break before from October to December. And then in December, my, 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 my cancer markers had gone from 4.9 to 15 and he looked up from this page and he said to me, your cancer markers are already grown, Linda. He said your your body had stopped responding to the chemotherapy. And look, that's kind of like... It's kicking the teeth. It is a kick in the teeth. And that's just like, it's terrible to say. And it's easy for me to say from my position, that's just how the disease works. And that's that's what yeah. it does. And it, But it doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that it's unfair, that it's so fucking not nice. Mm. And then you're, you're sent off on your merry way for two months and no one ever contacts you. No one ever, ever like checks in from oncology to see are you okay, how you're doing. And on the, the following day, I rang the oncology nurse because I was still really upset. And I was like, can you just, ex- like, can we just have a conversation? Like, I actually, like, I'm so in shock and whatever. And she said, did he tell you how big they were? And I said, no. She said, one is... Oh, because I said to him, what, is it on one lung or both lungs? And he said, there's one on each lung. That's what he said to me. 
and I she said one is one millimeter and one is two millimeters they're just way too small Linda we can't all we can do is sit on it and wait and in two months time mid-July is on leave we'll do your CT and we'll probably bring you in around the 27 20s back that's so what like, she told me I know it's hard like you're obviously saying that you're not one of those people that you won't just accept what they say yeah. you need to know okay mm. and something I said to you is when you had told me about it and stuff like that something I had said to you is I know it's hard to deal with the fact that they're leaving you for two months mm. but there's a process like there's a reason they're doing that and I know it doesn't feel like there's a reason but Eddie but there is a reason but listen to me love right and I'm not even going to be smart with you can you see the logic in turning around to someone and going you have two nodules on your lungs we're not sure yet if they're cancer but we're going to let you sit for two months and let them grow what the fuck would you not blast it with a bit of chemo or radiation and nip it in the bud and get rid of it or bring me back a week later and determine if it's just fluff because I moved in the because so, I might have moved or breeded. Because when I had this, just let me finish. When I had the CT scan, you'd go in twice, you breed in, breed out, whatever. And then your whole time you go in, they inject a contrast into you. So he was saying like it could have been how you took a breath in and it's just uh, like a fog or something, right? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they bring you back the following week to check that, or the next day to check that that's not what it is? And I, we want to leave you for two months. How is it normal to leave a cancer patient for two months out in the community with no support to just get on with your life, go to work, rear your family, let your cancer just grow, and we'll see it in two months? Where's the fucking logic in it? I know it's hard. I know you're going to be really because you're you've got this brain where you're like you think really logically, and yeah, I and I, I, do, I, and... I think irrationally sometimes. But think about it. I've been left to let, to allow a cancer to grow in my body. I thought oncology was about shrinking cancer, making cancer die, getting rid of cancer, da 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 da. No, you're leaving me to fucking let something grow in my body. Look, I I get and look, I am very like I'm very like practical and I'm very yeah real you are about yeah. And sometimes I, that's irritating because I'm like Eddie. I do would you think fuck off, logically. like you know. But also, I like I try to understand the other side of things mm. and like so. My thought process would be... Maybe the reason, you should be in my job and I should be in your job. <laughs> <laughs> my thought process is the reason that they're not willing to give you another round of chemo or radiation or whatever is because they don't know what it is. It could be nothing and they don't want to cause any more damage yeah. to your body. And she Treating said, something that might not be something. But listen, she said to me, you went straight from a resection into chemo and haven't had a break, right? But like, And I get that. But then if you think it's a bit of fluff, Eddie... Scan me a week later. Don't scan me two months later. But if they're not, if they're they're setting me off on me merry way to let something grow, but if they're saying to me, oh, it could be just the way you moved in the scan, don't leave me two months to scan me. Scan me now. And if it, and if it is that I moved to in the scan and it was just thing, then the scan would be perfect. Do you get me? Yeah, I do. I do, and I look. I do understand that, and I get where you're coming from. And I would probably be the same. I would be probably be thinking like, why can they not just do the scan again? But they're obviously. I'm trying to see it from their point of view as well as yours. There obviously is a reason yeah. why they're not rescanning. And my cancer pal, right? Who I'm not going to say much about because her story is her story. I met her today, right, for lunch, and she says to me, "Shall I CT on Monday?" And they rang her yesterday and told her they can't find the cancer. They did that to me six months ago. Mm. Eight months ago, maybe. We can't find any cancer. 
and then I had to go to a sigmoidometry, which I'm saying that wrong because that's not what it's called, sigmoidom, sigma, sigma, whatever, uh, a PET scan, and then I had to get keyhole to check my liver. Yeah. Because they couldn't find that on an MRI scan. Mm. So technology's not always right. No, But it's I not. just feel, like I don't even get a weekly phone call from an oncology nurse to say, how are you doing? Have you like, asked for another scan? No, but because I've been to... Oh, what I will be saying is I want it noted on my file that I'm not happy with your outcome or your decision. So you're the patient. Yeah. You're effectively, you're paying for this care. Okay. Now I know, obviously, medical cards and all that jazz. That's yeah. fine. Technically, you're still paying for this care. So are you not entitled to ring them and say to them, listen, I'm not happy with that. I want another scan. I want one yeah. now. Like I want one as soon and as I can And I could do that. One. Yeah, I could do that. Because, because it's well and good you sitting here and you're saying, why are they not scanning me again? Why are they not doing this? Sometimes you need to ask. And it's not even that. Like if I go back in two months and they say, actually your liver, your lung is clear. I'd be fucking angry that they wasted two months of my life. Mm. And what if I go back in two months for a scan and they go, actually your lung is clear, but we found another nodule in your liver. Do you know what I mean? Because I've yeah. had no treatment. Yeah, but also like, it's And I not... know he's the professional. He knows what he's doing and da-da-da-da-da. And you hear all these cliches. This is my fucking body like, mm. you know? I, yeah, look, and I do get that. And it's hard to sit by and wait and watch and see. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I get it. And but I am also... going through the, pro- the process. And I think this might sound really silly. It's that grieving process of, you know, there's five stages of grief, right? And because I'm not having my plan that I had, I think I'm nearly grieving. So I'm going through the anger stage and the blame yeah. stage and all of those different things. Because in my head, I had a liver resection and my next steps were radiation for a week and surgery. And nothing else was, was mattered. And then all of a sudden I go in and that's not my reality anymore. But also that was never seven stone. Oh, it was. Oh, it was. I'm but- sorry, but it was. So did they actually say to you... I was having my liver resection and my bowel surgery together. And I went in in December and met with a, with a guy, and a consultant in a different hospital who said, I'm going to bring you in for keyhole on Friday. I want to get in there to your liver and see mm. what's going on. So I came in on the Friday, had the keyhole surgery uh, in, in wherever they went. And he came down to me that evening before I went home and he said, you've got six tumours. They're all in tricky places. The, 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 the surgery is doable but unfortunately we, we can't do both surgeries together anymore and we have to open you up because they're all in comp- really complex places mm-hmm. so I was guaranteed both surgeries up until then and then what was said was you'll have your liver resection through open surgery and then you'll recover a little bit you'll just do six chemos because everybody has to have 12 and I'd only had six you'll do six chemos we'll have a three week break and then we'll have a week of radiation we'll do your scans We'll have a week of radiation and then we'll plan for bowel surgery. So it was always set in stone that that was my plan. But they now never... I know things change and chemo stops working mm. and da 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 da. But I saw Professor Gallagher that day for 10 minutes and I left that hospital bawling my eyes out. Like, I mean, I walked through the whole hospital crying like a baby. No one called me the next day and said, are you doing okay? I believe you didn't get the best news. And he has covered his own back, obviously, by saying, Linda, I'm not saying this is cancer. It could be how you moved in the machine. But if it is how I moved in the machine, why can't we scan this week Mm. or next week? Why does it have to be two months if it's nothing? Yeah, look, I do. I completely understand what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And again, the realist in me is like... I know, yeah. You should ring them. You should ask for another scan. And maybe I should be more ballsy and do that. Yeah, if if that's something that you're... If you're not comfortable with the fact. But like, 
part of me is like, what is, what's another scan going to achieve? What if they tell you that it's not actually the way you moved in the machine? Well, they're going to tell me that either scan. way, whether they tell me that yeah, tomorrow or the, two yeah, months. Like. Exactly. So what, why not just, would it not be beneficial for you to just enjoy the two months? No, because how can you, Ed? In the back of your mind, you're thinking, but then oh you my can't... God, if I've got cancer in my lungs now, now I know I've got five years. But also, if you got the results in a week's time, it's going to be the same outcome in, for two months. Yeah. Like, you're not going to be, yeah, I you know. ju- you're just the type of person you want to know. Is it? You just want to no, know. No, I just want my fucking bell, Sorgi. I feel so hard done by, like many cancer patients, I feel so fucking hard done by that I worked so hard to get to here. I've destroyed my body, destroyed it from the liver resection. And now I'm being told that maybe surgery won't happen. So I'm still living with the tumour in my bowel. Mm. You know, so my plan is cut in half. So I've had half the journey and then it's been cut off. Yeah, for two months. But I don't see why we have to wait fucking two months to see that I move in a move in a scan and make this cloudy mark on both lungs. Like So then I Because I've... sorry for interrupting you. <coughs> Six years ago <coughs> I had a brain scan. To see if I had a brain. No. Six years ago I had a brain scan because my, my migraines are like strokes, they're really, you know, the the all that stuff, right? And I rang my doctor a couple of days later and I said to him, I'm just ringing you about my MRI. Did you get the results? And he read out to me that there was a 3.5 millimeter bulge of an aneurysm found in my brain, right? Mm. So I was like, what the hell do I do with that information? At my desk and walk. I was sitting there going, what the fuck? And, I, and he said, they want you to have a time of flight MRI scan. That's what the scan's called, right? Which mm. is a different kind. It's the same MRI, but different lasers or something what's called time of flight MRI and I had to wait I'd say I was left waiting a month for that scan and I went in and it turned out there was no aneurysm it was how I moved in the machine so don't fucking tell me that these things don't happen no I'm not saying that they don't happen 0.5 millimeter fucking bulge in my brain of an aneurysm and then I went back for a time of flight MRI and it wasn't there look I'm not saying that these things don't happen they obviously do and technology is flawed massively look we've seen technology being flawed in the fucking podcast and everything it does happen (laughs) what I'm saying to you is and I'm not saying your feelings are very valid you're entitled to your feelings and I'm not saying they're wrong or anything because they're your feelings and you're entitled to them. What I'm saying to you is if this outcome wasn't what you wanted and you don't feel okay with it, you need to take action for it because you can't expect other people to do everything for you. No, but the thing about it is what do I ring up and go, I'm not happy. Ring your oncology nurse, say to her, listen, I've had time to think about what, was it Dr. Larkin? No, Professor Gallagher. Professor Gallagher. I've had time to think what he told me. I'm actually not happy with the idea that maybe it's the way I moved in a scan. So I would like to be re-scanned. I'm not waiting two months. Um, so you may put something in motion. If not, I will take it further. There are processes that you can go through. If you're not happy with an outcome... And like I was going to ring them up and go, can you put on my file that I'm not happy with the outcome? Mm. Like he's made the decision. I'm having no more treatment for two months. Look, See you later. It's, it's well and good. I think it's well and good that you're saying ring up and put it on your file. But that's just a note in your file. That means nothing. No, I know. You need know. to you need to ring up. You need to be proactive, um, and say if you're not happy with something, you need to highlight it. And that's the problem with people. Mm. I think, and it, Irish people are the worst for it. They will just forget. Like yeah, they'll just be like, like Alison, I, I don't want to say. I suppose what I'm saying is like, if he'd have said to me, "Look, let's rescan in two weeks just to make sure that it is nothing and that it was just how you moved," and if there is still something there, we'll have a look at like what we'll do. 
But to be sent off for two months with the thought that I'm not saying it's cancer now, Linda. Hmm. I'm not saying it's cancer now, Linda. It could be the way you moved in the machine. That's covering your back. Yeah. But it's sending me off for two months to let so let it grow is what I was told. Let whatever's there grow so we can biopsy it. Okay. You know. Yeah. And look, again, yes, I do get it. And but you need to if you're not happy with that, mm. that's something that you need to act yeah. on and go and. And like you know that I followed this lady Bell babe in England, and I know England's different, and she's after raising millions for them. Da da da. I'm wearing her rebellious hope t-shirt that i bought that cost me 26 pound fucking price of it but anyway the money went to charity and she <clears throat> is dying like her she said five years she's dying bowel cancer and i was doing a bit of research on her like just reading some stuff she said 17 operations or 17 tumors removed mm. she's still dying after five years yeah so there's no guarantee like but i'd like to think that now that i'm halfway through my my treatment plan that we can go further but until the lung piece is done there's nothing i can do and like to be honest that's just life in a way there is never a guarantee and like i know it's easy for me to say and what i want what i wanted you to take from this is the fact that your feelings are valid Mm. everything that you feel is valid oh no i know um and i think that you need to kind of you do need to act on this if you're not happy with <clears throat> like, And I don't want people to feel sorry for me because I don't need anyone to feel sorry for me. I feel sorry for myself enough. I mm. really do, like, you know? Like, some days I can wallow and think how hard done by I've been and what a shit life I've had and da-da-da-da-da. And then I slip back into, you know, that I have a lot to be grateful for, you know? And I have got a lot to be grateful for. I'm alive. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being treated by one of the best oncologists in the country which kind of contradicts me saying he's fucking leaving me for two months da, 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 da. You, mm. do you know what I mean like, yeah but it's again when you're in the situation and you're in the ticket yeah. it's hard to see <coughs> the thought process behind what they're doing and it's hard to be think oh well yeah he's an expert but why? but then I've had other people kind of give me similar stories about how now I know this is completely off the wall but like I did six rounds of chemo while I was a heavy smoker mm. and not, never come up with my scans. And when I met with him last week or two weeks or three weeks ago, he said, look, these are new lesions. I'd given up smoking. So I had, should I have just kept smoking and then nothing had come on my lungs? Like? But you don't know that. And no, I know, also, and I'll never know now. Yeah, but also, yeah, but you can't change the past. That's life. Oh, fuck off, Eddie. No, but like, but that, that's the way it is. Like, you, It's easy for you to sit there and think, oh, yeah, maybe if I had kept smoking, they wouldn't have come on my lungs. No, I don't think or, that. Maybe if I had or maybe smoking, if you, but like... Or maybe if you had kept smoking, they'd be a lot worse in your lungs. Or maybe or I'd have never smoked, I'd have never had cancer. But who knows, like, do you, you know? And you don't know. And there's no point, there's absolutely no point thinking about that stuff. Mm. What? Like, that doesn't get you anywhere. No, I know. Like, it doesn't. It literally just makes you feel worse than you're yeah. already feeling. I just feel that you know, the option of being alive for 10, 15 or 20 years was so lovely, like, and to think that that could all change in the blink of an eye is difficult. But also, was that, but was that ever a, that was never a full guarantee? But you were never... No, but as you said a few minutes ago, nothing's ever fully guaranteed. Exactly. But what was said was, you know, by the consultant in the other hospital was that the, the fact of having these two surgeries will give me 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And there's always the possibility that I could do those two surgeries this year and in 2023, my cancer could come back a million times worse and I could be dead in six months mm. because 
the oncologist, uh, the the consultant in the other hospital told me he's under, he was under no illusion that I had microscopically small bits of cancer in my body. Mm. But because they're so small, we don't have the technology to check that. And that's how people end up with a second cancer. I know we spoke about this before. Yeah, yeah. And that's how people end up with a second cancer. And that's that's the way it is. So, yeah, obviously in the back of my mind, I'm eager to know, am I going to have me surgery or am I going to be left now with just chemo for the rest of my life? Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm, like, I've been very blessed and very lucky in the first round of chemo 12 rounds because I wasn't a very sick patient mm. but my next chemotherapy will involve a completely different chemotherapy that's treating bowel and lung and I could end up really sick that could be treated could bowel and lung. a possibility yeah you know that I could end up not as lucky on my second round mm. so I'm obviously I'm having the anxieties around that and it's easy to say oh don't worry or you know try not think about it or only human like yeah you're gonna I mean? think about it. yeah now yeah. What I will say to you is, I'm very grateful for my job because it's kept me really busy. I've, I've got an interview in two weeks for a job, a panel that I went for, and I'm going to put a lot of work into preparing for that when I'm not at work. Mm. So that's a good distraction. And then we're going off to Sligo for a week, the first week in July. So that's bringing me into the second week of July. She said that my scan would be around the 11th, between the 11th and the 22nd of July. And then I would see the oncologist on the 27th. So I, it's about keeping myself busy. Mm. Like, am I going to ring up and throw me dummy out and go, I want to scan now? No, I'm not. I'm a pissed off at the hospital. Yeah, I am. Do I think it should be noted? Yes, I do. And I'll make sure it is. But me ringing up tomorrow and going, I want another scan. It, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And look, it's easy for you to sit here and say, yeah, like I, I me mean to say to you, oh, you should ring and you should get a scan. <clears> but also they might say to you, well, listen, we actually can scan you for another month or so because we don't have a spot for you. We don't have, like, it comes down or to resources. It's dangerously, or, we shouldn't be scanning you all the time anyway. Yeah, the scans are, like, the scans aren't good for you. No, like, they're know. They're not good for you either, like, you. <clears throat> but, like, my friend was saying to me today, like, they can't find my cancer. So now they want her to go in next week and have a sigmoidometry and do biopsies. And she's like, why are they biopsying me? Why? So you're constantly, and she's like, I'm like you now. Like, that's my plan going out the window for another eight weeks. Mm. So, you know, the ball does move in the court. But, and I appreciate 100%, I see the phenomenal work that the oncology team do. The nurses are like, they're unbelievable, right? And I see how busy they are. And we're like a conveyor belt. It's like when you go in for a baby, they get you in, they get the baby born, they get you out. You know, it's like a conveyor belt. And like, it's like cancer. You know, you're cancer free, they're gone. And then someone else comes in because they're constantly diagnosing. But when you're just left on your own for, and I was saying this to me to your team leader today, Right, I'm not on chemo anymore. I still have cancer. Yeah. It's not going away. Mm. So why should you be left? Why did I think I'm linked in with loads of charities? I'm not linked in with anyone. I have no support for the next two months. And would you not make, would you not make an effort <clears throat> to consciously go and get some support from someone? If I, if I feel like I need to, yeah, but I still think your oncologist should be ringing you. Oncology nurse should be ringing you at least once a month. And do you not say, think you need to? Need to what? Get some support from somewhere. I don't know. No, like, I'm just keeping myself busy is what I'm doing. Yeah, but is that healthy? Like, is that... You're, I don't know. You're keeping yourself working. busy and you're not talking about it. Because I, I get too upset. 
Yeah, but because yeah, I'm but angry because at the fucking world. Yeah, because that's your way of processing mm. it. But and you, you know, need people to... have people have said to me since I got diagnosed, "Oh, you see all them drug addicts out in the street and they're doing A, B, C, and D, and nothing fucking wrong with them." And then you've got the poor innocent people who get cancer, and I don't acknowledge that kind of attitude because I'm like, look, I was just dealt from the day I was born. I was dealt bad luck. There's no denying that mm. I wasn't dealt the wrong cards as a baby, and it's followed me through into an adult, and that's my reality, right? But there was a point last week or two weeks ago where I was going, they're fucking right. These people are abusing their bodies left, right and centre. And look at them out there now living their best life and here's me. And that's just how you respond and how you react at that time. Mm. But I don't solely believe that. Yeah. I don't think anyone, just because you're a drug addict, you should be tortured with cancer. That's not fair. And I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But I do genuinely believe, you know, like the day I was born my cards were dealt for me because my childhood was traumatic right right? like like I 100% you know having to go through a high high court case and stand like be in the courts every day and having to give like statements and books of evidence and da 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 and da da and all of that and then as an adult promise yourself that you're going to be this kind of person and you're going to go and do social work because you think you can change the world which is what I thought which I which I very very quickly found out that that's not the reality at all and then I go to college for six years I get a good degree I have my family I love my family that they're the most important people to me Um, I got I get a job <clears throat> I'm good at my job I'm not like I'm not sitting here you know tooting my whistle saying oh, I'm the best at my job but I am good at my job and I know I am mm-hmm. and then one day you just wake up and your whole life is turned to one its arse and you're like why am I being punished from the day I was born and I'm still being punished? What did I ever do? You know, and that's probably not the reality, Eddie, mm. but that's where you go in your head because... Mm. And that's how it feels. And that's how it feels, you know. And there's been loads of positives for me and I'm in a much better position than a lot of people who haven't had the option of treat of surgeries. But right now in my life, in this moment, in this, this month, I feel very hard done by. I feel mm. sad. I feel upset. I feel angry and I feel every emotion <clears throat> and I don't know what my next steps are. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I and I suppose, you know, listening to other people's stories inspires me, you know, to keep fighting and doing what I'm doing because we all have a story to tell, you know, and that's why I like doing this podcast because I like learning about other people's stories. Yeah. I don't get off on other people's misery. I just like to hear how... My cancer is one story, but there's thousands of people who have stories to tell, you know, and, and, and I am, um, and, and it inspires me and it helps me and it keeps me going. And like, as I said, my, my buddy that I met through, through chemo, um, like I'm so fond of her and she's so funny. She's a breath of fresh air. And when I'm having my moody moments, she kind of perks me up and she makes me laugh so much. Yeah. So they're like, I've met nice people. You know, and they've supported me, and, and like we're kind of now at the two of us going, Jamie Mac, like we're both, you know, we both feel like we're eight weeks behind now where we should be having our surgeries and we're not, you know, that way. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of where where I'm at, and you know, and I'm not trying to be a miserable bitch either, but you know, that's my feelings today, and you know me, like I'll pull me big pants up, get a pants up, and I'll get on with it. But right now, I'm allowed to feel this way, you know? Yeah. 
Um, but it's took me two weeks to be able to talk about it. Mm. Like it really had. That's no lie. Like I couldn't, couldn't. I could talk about it in a message, but if I had to look at you face to face, couldn't do it. Yeah. You know. So yeah, that's kind of my story and where I'm at and what's happening. You know. So I don't know if you've had. Do you want to ask me or? Have I waffled on enough? <laughs> no, I think what we'll do is we'll leave it there for this week. And yeah. We'll kind of let it breathe and we'll, um, yeah, and we'll kind of just. Hopefully we'll have a guest on next week. Yeah, and That's the plan. So. Um, um, and yeah, just thanks everyone for listening yeah. and get in touch with us. We love to hear from people. If there's anything specific you want us to talk about or, you know. Or if you have any questions for yeah. Linda regarding, um, anything yeah. regarding or myself not that and I'm, I'm really really interested in like having people on with you know lots of different illnesses but i think colitis and crohn's disease are major major bowel conditions and diverticulitis diverticul- i think it's called yeah, and it would be interesting to have you know it, everything doesn't have to be cancer related it would be interesting to hear about what's it like to have crohn's disease what's the process what's the treatment What's the prognosis for that? Like the same with colitis, are they like just minor illnesses or are they really, you know, really hard illnesses yeah. to live with? So it would be nice to hear from other people, you know. So if you want to get in touch with us, we're not just confined to cancer. There's lots of things that we like to, you know, talk about and learn about. Yeah, anyone, anyone with any sort of illness, um, yeah, come on, talk to us, tell us about your stuff. Um, yeah, because it is, it's interesting to hear other people's stories. It really is, yeah. We are open to it. Like, I didn't know until a couple of weeks ago when I read an article that, now it doesn't happen a lot, but there was a guy who was only 23 and he had colitis and they, 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 they just weren't listening and weren't listening and before they knew it, he had bell cancer. He had went from colitis to bell cancer mm-hmm. and he died within three weeks of his diagnosis. So, you know, I know that there can be serious parts of other illnesses that can lead into into the cancer area. Mm. And that's probably why I'm intrigued by what are the signs, symptoms, causes, all of those things of these other bowel illnesses yeah. and other illnesses as well, obviously. Yeah, so get in touch. Yeah. Um, we'd love to have you on. And you can email us, um, just the tumor of us at gmail.com and uh, all our socials and stuff. Um, are there on the podcast page so when you're listening yeah. to the podcast there will be a link there just click it um, and you'll find everything that you need to know um, and remember so, be kind yeah, there's Linda's message of the week um, but yeah thanks for listening thanks a lot